Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, there's actually some news today, and um, it's not great news. Uh, We're going to get to that in a second. We're going to talk some recruiting, uh, but first, I want to tell you a little bit more about Manscaped. Manscaped is an incredible company helping men be the best version of themselves. Uh, They offer all sorts of men's grooming products from... Their crop preserver, which is ball deodorant, to the lawnmower 3.0, which is the best trimmer that I have ever owned. If you go to manscaped.com, then you can use the code DNVR20 to save 20% on your entire purchase and get yourself free shipping. It's a great deal. Check out all of their products. I know that I need to stock back up on some of my favorite of the products that I have tried, but I also want to try some of the new stuff. Um, and, and you guys should too. Again, that code is DNVR20. It'll get you 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right. So today, Nikki Jabvala of The Athletic, who covers the Broncos, uh, she was on our draft show, if you guys are watching the DNVR draft coverage. Uh, she reported today that a source told her that two Colorado football players have tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, It's kind of tough to analyze what exactly this means because it's, it's all just so new. I, I, I will say that I don't think it's too much of a surprise that two football players have tested positive considering the size of that group people traveling around the country. Uh, there was the outbreak in Boulder. Um, I, I guess the protests combined with a house party. Uh, I, I want to say that was 17 new cases in Boulder from that weekend. Um, and again, the spreading cases or spreading the coronavirus at the protest where there were a lot of football players. Um, and so that's just one of the ways they could have gotten it. It does kind of bring us into this conversation for the first time though, of what happens when players do have the coronavirus. Um, And that's something that, you know, I I looked back through the documents we've been given, and I don't think we've gotten a firm plan from CU um, about what exactly it looks like. Um, I do know that 13 football players from the University of Texas have, uh, have the coronavirus or have tested positive, presumed to be positive, um... That was announced today, 13 of them. So 
they are having all of them self-quarantine and any of the players who were near the those other players who came into contact with them will also have to go into quarantine. We don't know how long the quarantine is. I'd, I, I'd guess for people who have it, it's, it's probably one of those things where they need to have a, a test come back and say it's negative or multiple tests come back and say it's negative. Um, for the people who were exposed in, I know in the past it's been two weeks, whether that number has changed, I'm not so sure, but with those two week blocks, I mean, that's a significant portion of the time that these teams have before camp starts. Um, I, I don't believe we've gotten a first date yet, or maybe it's June 23rd or July 23rd. Uh, don't quote me on that. I don't think there's been an official date, but it's supposed to be right around there. Um, that's only a month, month away. You know, if these guys are quarantined for half the time until then, and that is that, that with those camps starting two weeks early, uh, that's the plan at least you're going to have those first two weeks of camp likely be just a ramp up into normal camp. Those are supposed to be the 20 hour weeks instead of the full camp weeks. And so that's where players can go in and work out and basically get themselves into shape for camp. Um, so missing that's important. And really right now people are just trying to get ahead of that curve and get in shape or even improve their athletic abilities at this point before it's back to okay got to put on the pads got to be able to take a hit and that's really what's happening starting in about a month for these guys to be missing let's just call it two weeks before they can go back that's probably fine they'll have plenty of time to get back into shape the problem becomes if there's another uh wave i don't know if you can call two people a wave but if there's another if it hits again if somebody else gets it then and then you have another portion of the team um you know the the whoever has it plus whoever these come into contact with who have to isolate themselves pretty much up until that that start of camp that early start of camp obviously it could happen again and again and the as soon as you get the the full student body on campus that's when it's really going to get bad and that is scary because that is what could potentially put the college football season in doubt is if you can't get your guys healthy um it's it's one of those things where because they are young the effects are probably pretty minimal Uh, at least that's what our understanding is at this point so that makes it almost so you think it, it would be good if you could get uh, enough of the players on the team to have had it that you have that herd immunity. You know, you have that, I, what do they say, 70% of the population is the minimum for herd immunity to work. Um, for there to be enough people who can't get it that it won't be transmitted across uh, the entire group or everybody who isn't immune. You're not going to get to that number beforehand with 70% of the team. You know, with those Texas guys, they did say there were the 13 who tested positive for it. There were only four who tested positive for the antibodies. You know, for those are the four who had already had it before this point. That means you have 80 more guys who aren't immune and could pick it up from one of the others. It's, it's scary, especially because... You know, in the NBA, they have the financial resources to make the sport happen. 
You know, they can just book off a corner of Disney World and make it happen. Today, there was a report out. I can't remember who broke the news, but NBA players, while they're in Orlando, will be wearing a ring. And it's a pretty simple-looking silver ring. Looks pretty good. I think you'd have to to get those guys to wear it. But on the inside, there are sensors, and it says it detects symptoms of the coronavirus up to three days. Or it detects the coronavirus up to three days before the symptoms start so it just gets you a tiny bit ahead um, and they said it's like 90 percent accurate so you have that sort of technology there but you can't just implement that across college football and even the buffs themselves couldn't say hey we're gonna get this for the whole team and do what we can to avoid this problem because that's just so many of those expensive rings that you have to buy that's a significant portion of the budget, and there's no guarantee that it's actually going to stop anything, um, that those extra three days that you get are going to make a difference, especially when you aren't doing the same testing with all the same people around them. And this all just kind of leads to that question, you know, what does it take for, you know, if, if the season's in progress, when you start to see breakouts, are some teams going to have to stop playing? And if so, what kind of breakout does it take to force a team to stop playing? Um, can you just bench all the players who are sick? I mean, it kind of depends on how many there are who are sick. But what happens if you start seeing this across all of the college football programs? Because I would guess that you will. Maybe not all of them, but for the most part, you're probably going to see these outbreaks happen. And I just... I. It, these are the conversations that I'm, I'm assuming that all of the people in charge of the NCAA, all of the athletic directors and the conference presidents and the university presidents have been talking with each other about what does it take to shut us down? How do we know if we have to start backtracking, closing down facilities? And I know this all sounds a bit dire and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm definitely not saying that's what should happen. But now that a couple players have tested positive, it's kind of time to have that conversation of what does it take? How how many players are you willing to let get sick um, in this process? And also, is shutting down the facilities right now for two weeks, will that just kill it and you don't have to deal with it again? I doubt it because all these guys are going to class two with people who've been traveling from around the country. They're going to be passing it around. And I think that as of right now, my thought is it's just going to tear through college campuses, the viruses. Um, at least knowing my time in college, just the the opportunities for disease to be transmitted. I mean, living with a handful of roommates going to classes with people walking across campus, getting food uh, for the, for the athletes with the training tables and all of that stuff. It gets even tougher. So I don't know. This is just too bad. It's kind of a reality check after everything seemed to have been going so well for so, so long, but it's not, it's definitely not the end of the world. And it's probably not all that surprising, too. It would be interesting to go back and talk to the doctors that they have running those tests um, and just jump back before they started testing the buffs and ask, how many do you think have it? How many do you think are going to test positive? And, you know, I would guess that they thought that there would be at least a few of them. So I don't know. But uh, we haven't seen a statement yet. Um, I just refreshed my email to make sure 
but yeah, we haven't gotten a an, an, any sort of statement from Carl Durrell or Rick George. I would guess that that's going to come sometime in the next couple of days. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, today's Thursday though, isn't it? And it's about the end of the business day on Thursday. So Friday or Monday, I'd guess Monday is when we probably hear something. And it's likely that there's going to be a uh, email saying that, you know, Rick George is talking to the media on Tuesday or Carl Durrell is. And either we're going to get a chance to talk to them, one of those guys about it, or they'll just release a statement that kind of explains what happened, what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, I, I do hope that we get a chance to talk because all of a sudden these questions are so much more relevant. You know, what what does it take? What What are you willing to withstand in terms of sickness? Because it's a complex issue. Um as this stuff always is, you know, talking back in my economics classes, um, specifically like the environmental econ, we were talking a lot about the negative externalities. So like a business makes some deal with some other business, but because they made that deal, the environment gets worse. For example, that's like a negative externality because it's not really impacting either of them. And so like there isn't an added cost that somebody has to pay to, to pollute as well. Like that just is not even factored in, but it does hurt the entire society. So just like that kind of stuff. But, but the, the, the reason I bring it up is we also talked about like the interstates and how they go about setting the speed limits. And it's all that same, like economics where they say, you know, people are going to die in car crashes if we set the speed limit at 70 instead of 60. And they do the math and say, it's probably about this number of people over this amount of time. But People who survive, people who don't get in wrecks, they're going to get where they're going faster, which obviously makes them happier. And it, it typically leads to a, a better economy. Not they're happy. Well, I mean, their happiness too actually helps, but just like the efficiency of the roads. But that's kind of similar to this conversation where it's like, how, how do you do that math? How many kids do you want to be sick and throwing up? so that we can have college football this year. Because the truth is, as we're going through this process, very obviously that there is a number. And I don't know, that's that's all the tough stuff to figure out. But two buffs tested positive, according to Nikki Javala of The Athletic. And that's what we know now. And there'll probably be more coming out about it in the near future, I'd guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's... It's so tough to cover because these are the types of things that you you don't even think about thinking about, you know, a, a virus stopping football season and what does it take for you to be able to justi justify playing or justify stopping. So, yeah, uh, before we move on, I want to talk about some of these recruits, uh, specifically the quarterback who it kind of looks like the buffs are going to sign. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our favorite beer the official beer of dnvr and that's breckenridge uh, breckenridge brewery is incredible i i've told you about all of my favorite beers the strawberry sky the colorado core the avalanche is just a, a classic like if you can't pick up a beer it's just like avalanche that that's always the right answer the vanilla porter i haven't had one of those in forever i feel like that's more of a winter beer 
Um, I could totally be wrong about that, but my, my vibe is like, like I would much rather have something like fruitier and lighter. I think that's probably pretty common, but again, you just can't go wrong and you can find these beers pretty much anywhere. You know, the, the grocery store, the liquor store, of course, Davidson's would be my recommendation if you're South of Denver, um, or if you just want the best price and you're willing to drive to South of Denver, um, Davidson's beer, wine and spirits always a great option. Um, but you can also just go to the Breckenridge beer locator on the Breckenridge brewery website and it'll tell you everywhere where you can pick up whatever beer it is you want to try. It'll just pop up on a map and it'll show you all the different places where you can get all the different beers. And it's pretty incredible just to see where their beers are. Like you you don't even realize, but I mean, they're just in every neighborhood multiple times, which is just so cool. And they've, deserve to grow like that because it is i mean such a good business obviously like they they give you good beer for a good price uh just can't say enough um i really do recommend the 15 can sampler that's my go-to because it has the variety and now has a strawberry sky but you really just can't go wrong also i'd like to tell you about the colorado raptors colorado's only professional rugby team Colton Strickler is covering the Colorado Raptors for us at DNVR. Uh, You can go to the DNVR to read that. You can find the podcast. Um, You can also get on Twitter and find the DNVR Raptors account and also the uh, actual Raptors account too. Uh, It's pretty cool. Colton's doing a great job and uh, you guys should check it out because rugby is a fun sport and maybe you can get into it when sports come back. Okay. Let's talk about this recruiting class Um, because I have a bunch of thoughts, um, a a couple of thoughts on the guys who are currently committed and, you know, the buffs are going after. But for the most part, I kind of want to talk about where Colorado stands in the grand scheme of recruiting at the moment. Um, And, you know, just to spoil the answer, they're not in good shape, but more importantly, there is, there's still months and months to go. And it seems like, even much later than at this point last year, Buffs fans were really disappointed in how the class was shaping up. And then late, they added Ashad Clayton. They added Jason Harris. They add some other guys late too. But I mean, all of a sudden you just add a new top two. I mean, I guess maybe they aren't top, they're top two, but, but a couple of your top prospects in these last couple months. And all of a sudden they have one of the best recruiting classes of the last decade. So all of it at this point is kind of needing to be taken with a grain of salt. You know, today's Thursday. I just finished watching the first round of that RBC heritage classic classic. I think it's a classic. Yeah. Um, the, the golf tournament this weekend and you know, you watch the first day and it matters. It definitely matters. But also the leaderboard's going to look totally different by the time you get to Sunday. And that's because they've only played 18 of their 72 holes. There's just so much longer to go. People rise, people will fall, and all that really matters is where you are at the end. Um, and last year, Colorado was able to go on a late run. They might be able to do it again this year. And until signing day actually comes and goes, there's reason for hope. So I want to start with that, but uh, if that introduction didn't tip it off, things aren't going great. I mean, you can look at it and say the fact that they have four guys committed already 
puts the buffs in decent shape considering how difficult it was to put together this coaching staff and how late it came together, the relationships that the previous guys who were Colorado had built, and those are not meaningless, but pretty close to meaningless when those guys leave the school. So you do want to start with that and say, let's not take a slow start as this staff can't recruit. Because the truth is, you don't get a real read on a recruiter until a couple years in. Just like anything else, it takes some time. Because you can come in and you can recruit a bunch of guys really quickly. But to actually be winning over the the four stars, you've got to be in their house. You need to show you're committed. And especially when you aren't a school like Alabama or Clemson, a consistent contender for a national championship at this point in time you have to convince those recruits to not go to those places and that's a lot tougher to do and that's why the relationships are so important and that does seem like something that has really been emphasized as this staff is recruiting the problem is a one-year relationship is about the max that these guys can make because signing day next february uh you know they all a lot of them got hired in february And so that that one-year relationship may be enough to get a signing, but if you're recruiting those guys consistently for a couple years and working out ahead, that's when you really see some some big dominoes fall um, in your favor. Uh, So I want to throw that out there too. Um, But let's just dig in. So like I said, four guys committed. Um, It's not ideal. Right now, the Buffs are ranked 92nd in recruiting according to the 24-7 composite rankings. So 24-7 Sports takes their ratings, mixes them with the ESPN ratings and also the Rivals ratings and comes out with this composite like the consensus and that has Colorado at number 92. Um, That means they're last in the Pac-12. Colorado State, for example, is 43rd, but... That's basically just because they have a a lot of recruits, not necessarily because of the caliber of the recruits. You know, I'm just like scrolling down through this. So I guess Miami of Ohio has a worse rated class and they're at 58th. But when you look through or in terms of the average rating of their commit, but then we look at 57, 56, 55, like Colorado State is up there mostly because of numbers. And as the rest of the classes fill out, they'll just slowly fall throughout this process. And for some of you, that might be kind of fun to watch. Um, looking at the Pac-12, the I mean, Colorado's in the exact opposite situation. They just have low numbers. Um, for reference, you know, only one other school only has four commits. That's Stanford. Uh, USC's leading the way of 16. Oregon has 13. UCLA has nine. Cal, Washington, Washington State, all at eight. So, I mean, when you look at those eights, technically it's double, but it's four more guys. And those guys could be coming in the next two weeks for all we know. Um, and that's why you don't got to get too fired up this early. Um, but Colorado is rated last. And even when you look at the average rating of their commits, only two schools have a worse average. Although, you know, Oregon State is about the same. Um, looking at these specific players, uh, Allen Baugh, 
a defensive end from Fort Lauderdale. They're all three stars, all rated. Uh, I mean, the, the highest rate is 8465, 0.8465. The lowest rate is 0.8344. Pretty even. Um, the reason we're doing recruiting today, well, actually, there's two reasons. The first is because Jackson Anderson, the guard from Texas, just signed earlier this week. They still have Chase Penry uh, committed out of Cherry Creek. And uh, Zephaniah Maya from Liberty High School in Henderson, Nevada. So those are the four. But uh, the other reason we're kind of talking about today is because Clay Millen, a uh, pro-style quarterback out of Mount Sai High School in Snoqualmie, Washington, uh, is close to a decision. Um, and he should be making a decision. You know, he, I've seen a couple stories, him saying he's he's hoping to make one in the next couple weeks or a month. Uh, so this is one that could be coming pretty quickly. Uh, he is a three-star quarterback, 8806, according to the composite. Um, 19th ranked pro-style quarterback in the country. Um, but in the 24-7 rankings, which... Uh, you know, I, I think 24-7 rivals both do a good job. There's a pretty significant gap between those two and ESPN, in my mind, in terms of how valid they are. But uh, 24-7 has him as a 91. That's a four-star. So this would be a good get. That makes him the 10th best pro-style quarterback in the country. 6'3", 188, but he's a pretty big guy. You can tell that there's room to add some more to his frame. Um, his dad played in the NFL. He backed up John Elway for two seasons, actually, uh, was a quarterback for about 10 years in the NFL after going to Washington. Um, Clay's brother, uh, I think he was a true freshman at Oregon last year. So he comes from a football family. He seems to have the build. Um, you know, Brandon Huffman of 24-7 in his um, evaluation says that he expects him to be a day three draft pick. Um, says that he's reminded of Kirk Cousins when he watches him. Um, but here's some more of the interesting stuff about Clay and why I think this would be such a good get. So first of all, you look at the numbers. He's he's a 88 rated prospect coin composite, 91 according to 24 according to 24 seven. I think that that moves a lot more in 24-7's direction just as this process kind of continues naturally. But also, I think that all of the recruiting services will likely start rating him higher because he played behind his brother. Um, and going through watching the tape, he throws a good ball. I think he only threw one interception, 34 touchdowns, one interception last year. I mean, very good numbers. He's he's making guys miss in the pocket. He's moving around. He's flinging the ball downfield, keeping plays alive. He's he, he's a gunslinger. He's a playmaker. But also, he's only played one season of football, and it was his junior season. He was all-conference. He, he did everything that you'd ask of him. And I think there's a good chance that now in his second year as a starter that he takes a pretty significant step forward. That's big for the Buffs because he's making his commitment before that happens. So if they can get him committed at some point in these next few weeks, and then he goes out and plays well, not only do I think that he becomes a four-star 
like a consensus composite four star uh, just naturally because that's what he showed last year. But I think that there's a pretty good chance that he builds on top of that and, and moves up to, I mean, maybe a top five pro style quarterback in the country. He certainly has the bloodlines. He has the tape um, and he's exciting. And so uh, I would suggest that you guys just jump on either like his 24 seven page or his huddle page, or I, I'm, I bet if you just get on YouTube, you could find some again, his name is Clay Millen and just watch him because that decision is coming sometime soon. And the more, you know, the more invested you're going to be and the bigger the payoff's going to be if they get him. Um, it's looking good for the buffs though. I mean, there, there are three predictions in um, all three for the buffs. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, he took a virtual visit and I think, I can't remember if this is Adam Munster Tiger or Chase Howell who reported it. Um, but he d- he did take a, a virtual visit to Colorado. It was basically a two and a half hour phone call, video call with not just quarterbacks coach Danny Langsford and offensive coordinator Darren Cheverini, but also head coach Carl Durrell. So for all three of them to be taking two and a half hours to try to convince this guy to come to Colorado, uh, that's a pretty good sign there too. It's always weird because we're all so excited about Brendan Lewis uh, when there's another quarterback who's kind of brought in behind the freshman who's supposed to take over. And that's going to be kind of an interesting storyline. But at the very least, well, I guess, no, no. At the very least, uh, there's room for one year for Millen after Brendan Lewis, um, assuming that's how things go. Millen could also beat him out. Uh, who knows? That's a long ways down the road. Um, but again, Clay Millen, class of 2021, so you wouldn't see him until next year. Just want to reiterate that. But uh, it's exciting. It's really, really exciting. Um, there are some other guys too. And, and, you know, again, I'm not a big recruiting guy just because, I mean, not to just undo everything I just said, but like if you look through all of the just like everybody who's ever been recruited to Colorado, the guys who are good enough to go on to be pros, they're scattered pretty evenly throughout that list. Um, so there's that, but, but again, it's exciting. The buffs are finalists for a couple of other guys who would significantly bump up this recruiting class, this 2021 class, um, just because they're very good. Um, so, so stay tuned to Twitter. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to keep giving updates here on the big stuff, uh, specifically stuff like Clay Millen is interested in Colorado and, uh, yeah. So I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. Uh, appreciate you all for listening, but before I go, one last time, I want to tell you about DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings is incredible. It's so much fun. Again, I was watching that golf tournament all day today. The guys who I had money on did not play well. Well, they played well for stretches, and that got my hopes up. And then after that, they didn't play that well. Um, now I'm sitting on like one golfer who's one under, one who's one over, and I believe the leader's at seven under. So it's not looking great. But 
you know, like I said, there's still a lot of time left. And, you know, I, I, I had, I had Varner in there. Varner was two under, but finished only one under. He had five birdies and finished one under. I mean, if he can just clean up a couple of the bad swings, he's going to be good the rest of the weekend. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. But I'm probably going to have to throw some more money down to keep myself in it on Saturday or Sunday. Um, and I hope that you guys do too. And I hope that you choose DraftKings because DraftKings really is your best option. Because DraftKings Sportsbook is based in the United States and follows all the laws. So you can trust it. It, it isn't like the sketchy overseas books that there are no regulations for. You know, those guys can just do whatever they want. And typically it works out all right. But specifically right now, when the world is so chaotic, having the security of knowing that if you win a bet, you're going to get paid for it and you're going to get paid quickly. It's a pretty good feeling. So I definitely recommend that you guys check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app, whether you're watching golf this weekend, whether you're trying to place bets on this college football season or whatever else. Again, it's the best option. And they have a $1,000 sign-up bonus. That's right, up to $1,000. You got to take advantage of that. All you have to do is use the code DNVR, and you could see a pretty big bump uh, to your wallet. Sure, that works. Uh, Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. That's going to do it for today, and I will be back tomorrow to talk some more. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.
survivor. Get them thugs, get them boss, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a boss with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag.